0: That's the first time we've ever let our theme song play all the way through but why not thank you again to logan from midi matilda for making that fine beautiful intro song kind of let a couple of other nice work super nice club songs play in their entirety at the end of the podcast just because this episode is a little different than the others actually it's kind of a lot different first off it's our final episode of Nice Work. Um, episode number 100. Yeah, it was always my plan, pretty much, to cap this podcast at 100 episodes. And here we are. It has been amazing. And if you're a listener, or a former guest, or the current guest, I just want to tell you that I love you for being part of this. Uh, we've had everything from superstars and celebrities to truly important everyday heroes. Uh, on the show, and we've highlighted over a hundred, over a hundred of the humans who are doing the daily work to make the world a nicer place. Over a hundred, but a hundred episodes? How's that go? Well, sometimes there are a couple of guests at, at, at the same time. Yeah, the math works. Anyway, I get to be lucky enough now to count each of these people um, as people I've shared time with, who I've learned from and, and who have inspired me each and every time. And Dang, I I really hope that you also have been fired up by Gastra 3 over the course of this podcast. I, I said probably the final episode because I sort of count 100 as something of like a large first season. It may be that we bring this back with a different focus, something that allows us to have a little more fun with the format, to not have to worry so much about offending folks with blue words or just being totally fucking weird in my search for niceness. So we'll see. You know, if you have any thoughts, ideas, input, please let us know. What else is different about this episode besides being the final one is that I'm not the host. No, I'm just doing this little intro here to say goodbye and or until we meet again, which hopefully will be at a super nice cult salon here in Los Angeles. Uh, We're going to put together some fun, very small, very cool salons. Um, That's coming, and that's in person. That's real life, which is so much better than social media and even better than the one-way conversation that is a podcast. Well, it's two-way between the guest and the host, but in terms of you, you listener, can't really feedback very well, and that's not very fun for us. Um, I've been wanting my good friend and former colleague to take over on the mic for some time. And so this was his last chance. So yeah, I'm not the host, uh, new host, you'll meet him in a second, and he's not me. He's not Todd Brilliant. The guest, <laughs> I mean, who's cool enough and impressive enough to be the final guest, you're probably wondering, right? Well, it's a secret that is gonna unspool on its own in just a few minutes. So let's just say that this person is someone I admire greatly uh, someone I've known actually for many years and personally think would probably actually make a better president than anyone elected in the last five years. Low bar, you say? Then fucking raise it already, people. Seriously. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. Uh, let the new host take over. I love you a bunch. Hopefully we'll talk soon, somewhere, somehow. XO, XO, OX and stuff.
1: Hello and welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club. I'm your host, Not Todd Brilliant. Now this is a first ever for us here at the Super Nice Club in that this radio program is going out live over the airwaves for the first time. Another, perhaps last time, first time for us here today. There may be tens of thousands tuned in at home or maybe just one or maybe none. Hello to you all anyway and welcome. We have today for episode 100 of Nice Work, a really special guest. Maybe one of the best guests who has ever appeared on this show. We're making up for that by having probably the worst host ever. Our guest today needs no introduction. But if we didn't introduce him, you would know who he is, though you'll probably recognize him from the sound of his voice if you are a regular listener of the radio program. Our guest is the electrifying, the too humble, that's sometimes sardonic but never cynical, the brilliant Mr. Todd Brilliant. Todd's done a lot of good in the nonprofit world, fighting to make the planet cleaner and better. He's run the Raven Theater in Northern California, as well as an early rabble-rousing winery called Rochambeau. He's a father, photographer, screenwriter, and possessor of a lifetime ban from OnlyFans. Or don't, I have that wrong. I read that wrong. Lifetime ban from next door. Now, Mr. Todd Brilliant the founder of the Super Nice Club, and normally the host of this radio program, Nice Work with Todd Brilliant. Todd Brilliant, welcome to episode 100 of Nice Work with Todd Brilliant. And I have to stress again that I am your host, not Todd Brilliant.
0: Well, I'm, I'm just honored to be here. Am I, I, can I not say your name? Or is no, it actual I mean, contractual obligation? To it, you're it, just <laughs> like you're like uh, Mr. Bungle, you know, with a bag over his head. I'm not in faith no more. Uh, Nobody knows who
1: I am. It's contractual and I don't want to take away. This is a big get here having Todd Brilliant on the radio program. We can't say how excited we are to have you here today. Uh, Other than yourself, who's the one guest you wish you could sit down with on nice work?
0: Well, John Capone, that's a great question. Great way to to lead it, John Capone. What guest? You know, I would really love to have this guy, the guy whose name is on my shirt. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. I love Elon Musk. I mean, my shirt may read Elon Musk as an asshole, and I may believe that he is an unrepentant asshole, but that's why I would love to have him on the podcast. I think I would love to expose him uh, and expose sort of his uh, logical fallacies and and ethical inconsistencies. That'd be a
1: very different direction for the podcast, which I think uh, the, the premise of nice work is to bring on people who have... Done something good for the world, the planet. Who are doing, in other words, nice work? Your nice work, uh, besides hosting this show, is uh, founding the Super Nice Club, as probably many of our live listeners know.
0: Do we have any? Wait a minute. Do we have any live listeners? I don't think we have any live listeners. We should start out with where in the world are you, Todd? Brilliant. That's another great question. I like that. I like that. That's a great way to start a to start a start a chat. I am in Los Angeles, California, Los Angeles County. More specifically, the very tony and bourgeois neighborhood of Brentwood, California.
1: And and more specifically, um, it looks to me, I, our listeners at home can't see, but you're sitting in a pool house bathroom?
0: You know, on this, a toilet? The, the toilet has not been cleaned in some time because it's not used. It's just a, it's just a podcast recording center. But yeah, uh, it does sound nice to say pool house bathroom, but really it's just more of a bathroom. I think they just kind of shoved onto the side of the house the the rear corner at some point to be near the giant tub.
1: And just to make sure before we proceed, uh, we both agreed that we would microdose before coming on the program. Did you?
0: Yeah. uh, Definition of micro, though, we didn't agree on.
1: Oh, boy. Well, this will be interesting. Uh,
0: (laughs) And and we didn't also agree on what we're dosing.
1: Some psychoactive substance, which, which is an area that the podcast has covered, so let, let, let's get a bit more into, into the podcast. I heard a rumor that this episode 100 could be the final episode of Nice Work Podcast, a podcast you've been hosting for 100 years.
0: 100 years. This is the 100th annual. Yeah. Uh, this, this looks like it. Yeah. This looks like this is going to wrap. We're going to wrap on a high note. That might sound a little egocentric, but no, I'm referring to your hosting, which I've been after you to do for a long ass time. When I first set out, I thought, okay, I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. It's just a great number, 100. It feels like an accomplishment. Like I can say I did 100 episodes of that. It also feels like a big season. So there's a possibility that I resurrect the podcast in a slightly different form. One that gives me a little more latitude with different types of guests. uh, And also the ability to say blue words without wincing and feeling like I'm disappointing. The super nice club. And, and pod- I curse a lot
1: podcast was an offshoot of the Super Nice Club, uh, you know, a project of the Super Nice Club, let's say. Let's let's talk about a little bit how that started out. Where where were you when you started the Super Nice Club?
0: Uh, I was in Santa Rosa, California, which is an amazing city. Are you familiar with Santa Rosa? I, I've heard of it. Yeah. Santa Rosa, California is an underrated town just north of Frisco. Uh, which, by the way, legislation passed under Governor Wilson just last week that officially renamed San Francisco Frisco, which I am such a fan of. San Francisco just sounds so, you know, I, I don't, I don't uh, like
1: We're going to need to fact check that.
0: But Frisco, that just sounds like an exciting, fast-paced, fun city, you know? But if
1: we get down to the to the, uh, pool house bathroom level, where, where exactly were you when you first had the thought that the super nice oh, yeah, should yeah. be a thing? Oh, yeah,
0: I was in the backyard weeding, and I don't mean—that's no marijuana reference. I was literally weeding. Did you know that mint is very pernicious? It's a beautiful herb, but mint just goes buck wild if you don't rein that shit in. So I was, uh, I was attacking the mint in my backyard.
1: And mint was related to the super nice club, or were the thoughts that you had, or, or how did they relate? No. Not relate to mint and pernicious.
0: I used to quite enjoy Dark and Stormy's, an alcoholic beverage with rum, put a little mint in there. So I just, I had... For I my- think,
1: um, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry. I think that's trademarked by Gosling's. So you have to, you're contractually obligated to uh, recognize that's Gosling's rum, but go ahead.
0: Ah, yeah. I lost them as a sponsor several weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been all the blue words. It was all the blue words. I'm not much of a drinker in my life, but, uh... Goslings, dark and stormy. It's just two ounces of goslings, which you can get at Bevmo. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'm not sure where we're going with that, but I was out there weeding to uh, reclaim some of my yard and I was having a daydream. I've, I've told this story to you before, so you know it. But I daydream a lot. I daydream a disturbing amount, probably too much to drive a vehicle. And I was having this vision of this, this young girl uh, who was being approached by her parents and by a pastor and the pastor was trying to convince her of the wisdom of joining their club and their club was was ultimately run by this superhero, right? This is Jesus who could do all these cool things. And she's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. This is a six year old, it doesn't take a lot, right? So um she's in the church, she's going to church, she's going to Sunday school, and as the years go by she sees some inconsistencies uh within the church, because she has a you know a mind. And uh, she sees uh, parents getting divorced. She sees uh, these things that are represented in the community around her, the community around her that professes to have such faith, but they're inconsistent with what she's being taught. So she goes to the pastor. She's having, she's struggling with her faith as like a 10 year old now. And he's like, oh, you know, it's just a uh, God works in mysterious ways, which is just a, a great line because it just it you know, covers everything, right? God works in mysterious ways. Oh, your parents just died in a house fire? Um, ah, God works in mysterious Celestial ways. Celestial um, shrug um, emoji. It really is. So she she's like, okay, cool. And then later she goes in through First Communion and all this stuff. Probably went through First Communion because, you know, I went through First Communion as a, as a young Catholic boy. And eventually she just has enough, right? She sees too much stuff. She checks out the, the Catholic church church. Um, Molestation stuff and the things happening in other churches, and she's like, "This is just gross. I'm out. I, I can't do this." There's, there's, i have this, this superhero uh, God is not doing cool things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start my own club where everybody can join, no matter what religion you're in, whatever. You don't have to go to Sunday school. You don't have to read this big giant book from two thousand years ago or fifteen hundred years ago or whatever and argue about it. You just need to be nicer. That's it. That's just the one rule: be nice. Uh, it's not even—it's not even the golden rule, which is a bit, you know, reciprocal. It's a bit kind of you be nice to me, I'll be nice to you, so you could be nice to me. It's like there's something you're getting out of it one way or another, right? You want to be nice to other people because you want them to be nice to you. Hers is just—just—just just, just be nice. It's even cooler than the golden rule. It's like the platinum rule. Uh, sorry, am I talking fast? I had coffee for the first time in like a month an hour ago to get ready for this radio show, uh, and I thought it was and she said
1: mushrooms. We agreed, but
0: mushroom, coffee but fine. I, uh, it's it's still a drug. It's a very addictive drug, by the way. What are you drinking right now in that white mug that says "Go fast, don't die"? What's uh, in there? What's in there? Water. Yeah, you're lying. And she said, "I'm going to name this club the Super Nice Club." And so I'm pulling out strands of, of mint. By the way, mint has very deep roots. So it's pernicious. very satisfying pernicious roots. That's my new reggae band. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, and I thought that's a great idea. I immediately walk inside. I created a little logo that said Super Nice Club, the one that, that is still out there right now, worn by dozens of people around the world. At least. And uh, At least. And I sent it to my dear friend, Caitlin Glass, and said, hey, I just want to do this just for fun, you know, uh, as a, I I wanted to make myself a hat, right? It just had that on there. And she's, can you make this a real logo? And she's like, no, no, that looks perfect. It's so bad. It's good. So I made one hat, two hats, and the extra hat, was at a, uh, I gave it away at a party a few weeks later. The uh, woman who got it posted it on Facebook like a picture of herself in that hat and a bunch of her friends wanted a hat. All of a sudden, I had hat orders. I did 10 more and then 20 more and then 20 more and then 100 more and I decided, people like this. And I'm not into selling stuff and I'm still not. I hate selling stuff. It's awful. But the idea of making the club a real thing was then born. And it just started out as a Facebook page, and people were attracted to it. Uh, And I think now more than ever, the idea uh, of being a little nicer, now that um, American women, all of them, are second-class citizens, I think it's a a time where niceness is in, suddenly, too short supply.
1: Immediately, was it just 10% nicer, like lightning bolt, or did that take time? No,
0: that was was immediate, and I think I got it. I didn't remember it, but I think I got it from uh, uh, a book, 10% Happier, Mm -hmm. sort of a meditation book by Dan. um, What's his name? The former news host by Dan. Dan wrote a book called uh, 10% Happier. Rather. It's about meditating. Not rather. And so I probably got it from that in the back of my mind, but I didn't even think about that until years later. But regardless, the idea of just being a little bit nicer I think it's important because if you challenge yourself to do too much too fast, it's kind of like, you know, if you're working out and you're like, well, I can run a mile in, in nine minutes and I want to get to five. It's like, how about 8.45 first? Let's just like do baby steps. That's pretty fast. Um, I mean, I could probably walk a mile in nine minutes. What is wrong with you? Slow, out of shape. Okay, well that's fine. Whatever. Me too. But still yeah, can... we're going we're going to flash back like.
1: Okay, the screen's going all blurry. The the uh the readers at home can't can't hear that. How does a guy who is not a drinker though, uh come to own and run a winery in Sonoma County, California?
0: Uh, through fortuitous marriage, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> more 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 more
1: important than the how, uh is is what 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 did you guys do with the winery? You know, besides make wine, I guess.
0: (laughs) seems obvious. (laughs) Burned it to the fucking ground, ultimately. Um, We had a lot of fun. Rochambeau was was such an incredible lesson uh, for a 28, 29-year-old, you know, coming in and all of a sudden, you know, I was working at Barnes & Noble for $5 an hour and then 60 days later, I'm writing a check for a concrete pour for a million dollars like, well, okay, maybe six months later. But still, it was such a wild adjustment to an entirely different reality. And the art gallery was a part of it that really excited me. You know, we built a world-class art gallery from scratch built the whole thing from scratch. Learning about wine was great. Um, Learning about any kind of agriculture, I think, is important for humans. Agriculture is is how we live. Uh, So just having some idea of how it works. It was pretty neat. And At the time, back in the late 90s, Healdsburg-Sonoma County was, you know, kind of different. There wasn't uh, the modernity that there is now. Healdsburg was still super sleepy. It was on the come up into tourist, you know, tourist kind of town. But uh, you would go to stores and you would still see signs on the wall that said, Napa sells auto parts, Sonoma grows grapes. Just stupid, stupid shit like that, right? It was before everybody realized that the, the entire wine industry kind of hangs together, right? Uh, it was a very small town, kind of like San Francisco does with L.A. or in New York, right? That sort of insecurity stuff. Um, and now Sonoma County, I think, kind of understands that it's awesome, right? It doesn't need to slight another county to make itself good. It knows that it does its thing well, and other counties do their things well.
1: But Rochambeau kind of put this um, electricity, the sense of fun uh, into what is sometimes an over-serious pursuit. Um,
0: we we did at the time. We were, well, at the time, Ravenswood, although it wasn't necessarily youth culture, mm-hmm. Ravenswood was fun. Ravenswood founder was doing things in a way that uh, Joel Peterson had a good Joel Peterson. Yeah. Did things in a way that brought a really good, lively energy and made people uh, interested in wine that weren't interested in wine before. You know, some of them. So, you know, Joel probably is responsible for a good number of alcoholics, thousands. It's probably shattered families, you know, good number of families, a lot of uh, marriages, miscarriages, death, a lot of that at the feet of Joel Peterson and Ravenswood, uh, as well as Rochambeau, right? So Rochambeau was, we were young, we were coming out of Portland, and we both had art backgrounds. And yeah, the industry did feel very stodgy, you know, at the time. And we wanted something that had a contemporary architecture. We wanted something that had... Uh, contemporary art shows, not just watercolor paintings of grapes, which is still pretty much what you get or just random abstract shit that, you know, come on. But did you
1: become the guy then, um, you know, when you had the winery and then soon after and maybe, maybe you still are, that like people who know you, but maybe not well enough, hand you the wine list and like, hey, but you're a wine guy, you, you pick the wines.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it sucks because I don't know how to pick wines. I don't know. I'm a complete hedonist about just about everything. That's something that wine buyers uh, at restaurants and shops just really don't like. They, they want to be told a story. You know, they want to be sold because everybody knows that pretty much all wine, it tastes the same, right? There's really very little difference. You know this, right? You Don't you edit a wine magazine? Um, wine what X? are
1: talking about?
0: Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't all taste the same, but there's so much good wine out there. For 20 bucks, you can get a good bottle of wine. Right, so I just I don't fret it too much. I never found it to be my real passion. I found it to be something that fascinated me, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I had, was jealous of people that were super tasters. They could really pick out a lot of different notes in a glass of wine. Um I was a mediocre taster. But nowadays not a lot of people know that I used to have a winery. I don't I don't ever mention it at all, you know. Um but it was it was a good time and uh Naomi, uh, who was my partner in the winery, uh, still lives on the property. You know, it's beautiful, 100 acres of, of vineyard right outside of Healdsburg. My oldest son uh, is there when he's not in college. And the whole experience was fantastic. It was a bummer how it all uh, ended, but, you know, things end.
1: Well, well speak, speaking of being hedonistic and children, you, you have like nine children in your blended Brady Bunch family. Um, and you just mentioned your, your eldest. You must be a huge, uh, huge New York Yankees fan. Because you named Gerald oldest after David Justice.
0: Oh, I thought you were saying like nine players, nine kids. It's oh, five kids, by the way, between five, yeah. two families. Who can keep boys. track, kids? And you know what? Elon Musk should be proud of me. Elon Musk, I should be in his good book for having three boys. Because, you know, as Elon says, we're all doomed because the planet is underpopulated. Just look around. Like, we need a lot more people. A lot more. You know why well, his, his, his children are,
1: are big, big fans of his. Didn't his daughter just, like, uh, file him? to be emancipated?
0: <laughs> yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, clearly. But the reason why Elon says we need more people is so that the economies can keep booming because people need to be around to buy more stuff. It's just it, wise. It's true. It's buy. Wise. Yeah, buy. Yeah. buy. Consume. It, it, the, the, it, like the they thought... live. Consume. <laughs> like, that's your homework, folks. You're listening to this podcast. <laughs> That's today's challenge. You're still listening. Today's challenge from me is to watch uh, oh, we didn't go watch get to, to your Live. challenge yet. <laughs> That's a good challenge. Uh, I'm just giving you an advance
1: to watch <laughs> We Lism. didn't get to that segment yet. You're going out of uh, order. I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. We're going to edit this now. <laughs> what was the question? You know, we
1: were talking about your family. And, and where, where I'm going is, you know, you've had a lot of parenting experts on over the many years that you've uh, hosted this radio program. Uh, was this more for yourself because of the five children or, you know, for the other parents listening in?
0: What, the podcast itself?
1: No, they're having the parenting experts on Were you just looking for, you know, like one-on-one advice.
0: Oh Jesus, I'm hot trash as a parent. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm riddled with guilt all the time. How do I, cause you know, all three of my kids are completely different. Um, I clearly love one more than the other two and they all know it. I say it all the time to them. You know, um, I just because but I don't have to ask my next question then <laughs> in corporate in corporate America, you're supposed to play your your employees off of one another to grow them, to make them stronger. Right. So I just do that with my kids. Um, no, I bring in these other podcast guests typically because I'm interested. Yeah. There's like things that I'm going through that like I'm reading something about. You know, I have a parenting question. Um, my youngest child is, is severely uh uh, ADHD, which is a beautiful thing, because he's such an incredibly different thinker, uh, and it can also be a challenging thing when it comes to trying to fit them into the the cold, hard parameters of U.S. public education, and trying to teach him. You know, my approach is to try to teach him how to play that game, not to change who he is, but to teach him how to sort of mimic a good student, right? Uh, and so that leads me to reading things, and then I'm like, oh, this this person is a cool author. I should bring them onto the show. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, uh, when I, yeah, so that, that, that comes from my own personal experience. Totally. Yeah.
1: Or, or that, uh, you know, not, not, not even to, uh, to pretend to fit in, but to utilize it, you know, not, not, uh, I feel like I might get kicked off the program by the former host for bringing up Thich Nhat Han. but, uh, you know, he says, uh, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. You know, it's like a very, like, it sounds like California Zen stupid thing, but it actually makes a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> oh, no, it's great. Big Han is fantastic. Yeah. It's, or Bruce Lee's Be Like Water. Um, and trying to teach Ryerson, uh, who was named after our uh, Post Carbon Institute's Population Fellow. So when I had a third child, that was funny to name him after the guy advocating for a max of two children. Um Most of the podcast guests come from people that I'm just interested in. That's what led me to you, right?
1: I hope so. Um, and, and I wasn't going to so. ask you which kid was your favorite. I mean, not, at least not on air. Um, but but which episode of Nice Work has been your favorite thinking through?
0: Well, that's got to be, you know, with John Capone, editor of, at the time of Whaleboy Magazine, although he's made a lateral move. I mean, he's moved up to... Uh, <laughs> Wine Enthusiast. I don't know what my favorite is. I've had some fun ones. most
1: enjoyable, um, sure, yeah.
0: The most enjoyable? Oh, let, me, let me look at a list of them here. Oh, boy. I, just, I don't have my, my Dude, what? Am I supposed to, like, have it on something my were head? You're just
1: supposed to give the same answer you would give if somebody asked you which of your kids was the favorite, like, <laughs> something, something magnanimous here. and, and if political. Wasn't my
0: search. How do I view all the episodes? This fucking website only shows me, like, ten at a time. <laughs> Seriously, this is stupid. Okay, um, I really had a, I really had a big smile. I had a lot of fun talking with Tegan Quinn of Teagan and Sarah. I thought that she was just hilarious and bright and passionate. Um, and obviously, she's talented, but she was a great interview guest. I really, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed Tegan Quinn uh, from Tegan and Sarah. I also had a lot of fun with Amelia and Ryan recently. They're amazing. Last episode, episode 99. My dear friend, Cara... uh, Ah, shit, somebody's calling me. It's fucking it up. Oh, that's funny. Look at that. I mentioned her, and she's calling. Wow. Oh, have her on. Special
1: guest. We have a special guest on the program. A former...
0: Can't do it. (laughs) Former Uh nice work guest. My dear friend Kara, who I had on as she was just going through her transition. God, this is a good, this is a great moment to pause and think about. Since I'm ending this, I love Joey Santori. He's just a ball of sunshine. That Joey, um, and I bought my "Stop Humanity" shirt from from Joey. Uh, I interviewed my own kid, Justice. Not saying he's my favorite. That he has not been. He's not. It's. Wait, so so you had your own kid on the program, and it took you that long to get to that was your favorite? Yeah, you want to know why? You want to know why? Terrible father. It's it's July. (laughs) Justice has been out of school for a month, and he has no plans to come visit me, and he's up in Hillsburg. Like, I'm not going to see him over a whole summer vacation. You're dropping a few ranks, buddy, among favorite kids. I mean, this is, to not come visit your dad? That's awful.
1: Just terrible. But I, I, I I love the show and the work that you did, and, you know no matter who was on, the conversation was always um, exciting and interesting. You know, that, that's what a good host can do on, like, you know, what's happening here. But the, the Paula Loose one was one of the, you know, kind of first ones I came in on uh, working on it with you. And I think she had one of the best challenges of, of all the nice work guests, I think, um, you know, for, for, for one. but But one thing, you know, it brings up, like, I was wondering after that, how much affiliate revenue does Super Nice Club still get from Tushy.com? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean it's a weird sidelight for, for a Super Nice Club to have this this porn affiliate revenue stream, but that's how it happens.
0: Tushy is a bidet company, John, and you know this, okay? I went to Tushy.com I mean, I, though, and it wasn't. You clicked the wrong link. I may have misspoken. I don't know. It was an accident. I'm sure there's bidet porn out there. Paula Loz is amazing. She has a company that makes pint-sized toilet paper. So as not to waste paper.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And I now now think of Paula every time I wipe. I mean, yeah, how do you not?
1: And her challenge was to go up to people and ask them how they wipe their ass. And, like, it opened up a lot of, like, deeper, broader philosophical issues. Like, have you ever thought about the fact that, like, somewhere in the world, every day, every single day, Someone out there in the world just takes the biggest shit. And do you ever wonder, like, you want it to be you, kind of, right? Like, that would be an accomplishment.
0: I mean, I I would like to say that I did that, like, one time, and it wasn't painful, right? I saw, saw, oh, boy. This is what's great about L.A. Well, San Francisco has this beat here, I will say that. You definitely see more human feces on sidewalks in, in Frisco than you do in L.A., but I saw a turd next to Groundwork Coffee yesterday that was remarkable, which is why I'm remarking on it right now. It had to be a good foot long. It was of good girth, and it was undisturbed. That might have, been, just,
1: that might have been the person that day. You would like, was, like confetti to deploy when it happens or something.
0: It was just all one go. It did make me do a double take. And just talking about it now, right now, gives me a little gas. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, I mean, it's just what happens when you talk about, this. is it just me? When I talk about poop, I kind of need to go. What about you? Do you have any kind of gaseous thing going on? No, or
1: anything? I don't, No. Really? So, it's just human function. Um,
0: huh. All right. It might be the microdose.
1: <laughs> so, I know, I mean, I know we, we, were, we were going over this a little bit earlier, but, uh, but do you know who Gene Shalit is?
0: Gene Shalit, yeah, it's the, uh, it's Groucho, it's the other Marx brother.
1: I'm not suggesting him for a guest, you know, for some of those, some of the listeners at home who don't know, or might not know, he was a movie critic on NBC during the 80s, um, who made a lot, a lot of bad puns, which is, you know, important, formative to you when you you're a child, but he he looks like an obese Muppet, basically, or what Groucho Marx would look like if you inflated him with a high-pressure hose full of banana cream, Um, that's kind of what he looks like
0: yeah that's a good that and he was a, a voice on the muppet they, they did a, a gene shallot okay, anyway. character yeah and my friends and
1: i when we were younger we used to play games to like gross each other out or freak each other out like what would you do for a million bucks or like to see where your you know early probing to see where your ethical lines are you know and it got real interesting when a group of teenage boys would ponder if they would have sex with gene shallot for a million bucks and First that of all, really interesting. the guy looks like a sexual predator. I mean, he's probably not. He's probably a very nice man, but he said it first. Second, questions of sexuality don't really enter into it. Like straight, gay, doesn't matter. It's a lot of money. And then, you know, you're 14. You're just picturing a fold of like sweaty, hairy flesh, maybe some talcum powder. And, you know, where's it going to go? And you're like,
0: ah,
1: a million bucks. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot.
0: Was this, was this around the time when that Demi Moore movie came out? uh yeah probably you know we're talking like yeah. we're talking like late 80s that was a popular question for a while like for cause was, did like, Robert it was it was Rock indecent proposal bucks? yeah indecent so, proposal so we would so have teenage Jean
1: indecent proposal, proposal with dean yeah. shallot basically yeah. got
0: it yeah
1: yeah. i mean that's not where the question I, my, was going. my answer
0: no but yes i'm, I'm saying yes <laughs> <laughs> that's not the question he, he's 96 what could he do to me
1: i, mean, I wasn't going to put put you there and i wasn't going to suggest him as a guest uh, oh, okay. But, but come along with me on a little, you know, we're in that vein, a little thought experiment. Um, it's not going to be worthy of Buckminster Fuller or anything like that. Um, it's more like fuck, Mary, kill, but let's go with it, please. Okay?
0: I did have the executive director of the Buckminster Fuller Institute on, Amanda Ravenhill. She that was went... a good one. Anyway, yeah. go ahead.
1: Yeah. I told you I want to do a Clips episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so, you know that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark when Bella... Never saw it. You never saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? Of course I did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Belloc throws Indy in the pit with the snakes and, yeah. you know, he says something like, in a thousand years, even you might be worth something, right? But he's like, I don't want to leave you all alone. And then he, he tosses Karen Allen in there, so he's not alone. Now, in this scenario, you, Mr. Todd Brilliant, are Indy. Uh, and you're fighting Nazis, but this time it's Steve Bannon. And Bannon's captured you, he's really he's really got you, and he throws you in the pit it's not full of snakes, but it's there's waterfalls of soylent that Elon Musk and the tech bros have put in there, so you could live comfortably in there for some time in the dark, drinking soylent. Um, and mm. Bannon's laughing, like Belloc, and he says, I, I do not want you to be alone, uh, but he doesn't throw Karen Allen in the pit. He, throw, he throws in Joe Rogan, Kellyanne Conway, and Gene Shalit. You have a revolver with two bullets in it, and I know you're anti-gun violence, but for the purposes of this Schrodinger's cat type experiment, what are you going to do?
0: You, you've gone a lot deeper in your your questions than I ever went, by the way, with guests. This is great. Um, also, you're the kind of guy that remembers the name of the woman who got thrown in the pit on Raiders of Lost Ark. Carrie Allen. Like what? How? You're that. You remember the names of actors. I-, I can barely remember the names of whoever played Luke Skywalker. Like, I Come literally can't remember. You're a Hollywood guy. You've got you to gotta talk like that. I can't. I just don't know the names. People oh, you know, such and such director. I'm like, I have no clue. As they're talking, I just um, use Google. Uh, I'm too self-centered to remember other people's names, Mike. So, do I get two bullets?
1: You have two bullets in the revolver.
0: Yeah. Oh, Okay. And, and how long do I have to live with these people on Soylent for? Because Soylent gives you terrible gas. We covered this in the last episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, you probably have the little, you probably have a lot of clean wipes. Um.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Um, so, but I don't want to be alone. This is forever. So, Gene Shalit has got to go because he's 96. Dude's, I mean, he's basically, I'm not doing, I'm just doing him a favor. He probably hurts a lot in so many places right now. So then it's down between Joe Rogan and Kellyanne Conway. And Kellyanne Conway, was that Trump's old? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, She was a press secretary.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a press secretary. But but they're on the out. Um, That's why
1: Bannon throws her in.
0: Oh, right. And Joe Rogan. God, man. I think I would kill Joe Rogan because I think he would kill me. I do. I think he'd, like, eat me or something. Yeah, he, he was just a smart thing to do. He, 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 would, he, would,
1: he would talk about, you know, the raw liver diet and be like, I can't live on soil it. And then he, was, he'd eat you and Kellyanne Conway's livers.
0: Yeah, that's – I was just going to uh, – you took – what's the name of the raw liver guy? The guy who just eat the – strong – That's Liver King. Liver King. Is that at Liver King on Instagram?
1: <laughs> Probably.
0: It's I think it's at like, Liver King
1: – He's on Tushy.com.
0: Or, or Tushy.com. God, you're beating me to every joke. Damn it! It Sucks.
1: I'm sorry. That that that, that's bad hosting. You don't you don't step on the guest.
0: Oh, like twice, like in five seconds.
1: I don't know where I learned Um, that from.
0: But then I'm dealing with Kellyanne Conway, and that's fuck. That's basically snakes again.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's no snakes. There's just you know Kellyanne Conway, and you're like, why did it have to be Kellyanne Conway?
0: Well, if if it was like a 30 year old version of uh, Gene Shalit then Gene Shaw stays alive. Cause he's funny. Yeah. Ish, yeah. kind of. He's like kind of funny. Good puns. Was he, was he Jewish or was he black? Both. Is he? He's still alive? He is. Or he's both. Oh. He I think mostly Jewish. He sh- was he mostly Jewish when he was born or did that just increase over time?
1: You, you can build it up if you eat, like if you train and eat yeah. enough matzah. Yeah.
0: Okay, I've been building up my whiteness over time
1: you're doing a good job um i don't know i know this has come up on the podcast before but your name is legally brilliant it is yeah it's on your on your driver's license some on some folks license. doubt that some folks you know yep. want want proof of that they think it's some kind of a of a stage name or something but no that that's those on are your driver's people
0: with shitty last names seriously those are people with the last name of johnson or smith or or trump you know, or anything that, like, sometimes you're just like, I love my last name. It's, you know, I'm Steve Musk. And then Elon comes along and you're like, fuck, this sucks. And you go change your name. Not, I just have a good last name and good hair.
1: So, so I'm I'm bringing back another segment. Am I allowed to go to Facebook instead of Instagram for the last post segment? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at your, your last Facebook post, Boomer. And believe it or not... Did what you found pirate treasure? Like I'm looking, it's a picture of looks like Golda Blooms. Like it's like it looks like The Goonies, and I'm not going to say Sean Astin or Josh Brolin or any of the actors that were in The Goonies. But that you, new
0: Josh Brolin TV show is pretty good, the Western thing. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. Outer Range. Yeah, Outer Range. I, I semi recommend it. I give it a six and a half out of ten.
1: Yeah, it's like a like a sci fi Western. But what are what are we looking at here? Did did you get uh, One Eyed Willie's Gold, which is One-Eyed Willie, was the name of a pirate in a kids' movie. We're
0: talking about snakes again.
1: No, that sounds like a like a nickname for like a uh, your penis.
0: Snake, oh, <laughs> a snake, right? Yeah, trouser snake. Got it.
1: So it looks um, like One-Eyed Willie from the Goonies. Gold. Um, mm-hmm. So, so where did you get this from? Like, wh- wh- what's happening here?
0: Uh, that is, we just launched after. It's, it's a weird thing, but about seven years ago. Uh, my production partner and I uh, were approached about doing a TV show about the lost loot of Lima, which is an actual historical treasure uh, down off the coast of Costa Rica. And the story behind the treasure itself is pretty fascinating. It's all well documented by the Spanish government. Um, and nobody has found that treasure, apparently.
1: Also, oh, it's uh, a stock the image. It's a three treasure.
0: No, that's a stock image. We've not found the treasure. Uh, But people have been looking for it. Bugsy Siegel, uh, former U.S. presidents, all kinds of celebrities. Back in the 20s, it was a big thing to go down there and look for this treasure. Uh, But then the government, of course, we could shut it off. Uh, It's been off limits to everybody for 50 years. It's now a UNESCO heritage site. Uh, Jacques Cousteau called it the most beautiful island in the world. And... We, over time couldn't sell the show. We almost sold the show, but we started getting more and more involved in it, more and more involved with the treasure hunting company that came to us we eventually partnered with them full partnership to be just go look for it, forget the TV show and that's taken years and years we've had to work with the, the government down there and because legally you know the government would own one hundred percent of it um, and we just launched a we funder to get the Treasure hunting underway. Uh, whether it works or not, whether there's anything there or not, I don't know. But it's a treasure. It's like a legitimate pirate treasure. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, the whole treasure hunting business is, as I've learned, it's like ninety percent marketing and hype, so that you can get the money to go look for something that probably isn't there. But when it is there, it makes world news. This treasure is um, has an actual inventory, you know, that was taken at the time. Oh, wow. And so the projected value is somewhere between one, and two, maybe more billion with a B, which will buy you um, like two houses in L.A. So we're excited about it. This
1: this would have been a better uh, intro transition into the Indiana Jones question. I didn't realize you were involved in this whole Indiana Jones type quest.
0: Yeah, yeah it's it, it even sounds kind of funny to talk about it, but it is a real thing. Um, and we do have a crew here. Um, government liaisons, attorneys, and it's uh, it's launched. We actually have billboards, a couple of billboards in California on a couple, in a major uh, big highways. I forgot the number of the highways, but they're important highways, big highways, very very important highways. Um, like the four five. And They have they have QR codes on them, uh, so you can as you're driving pull out your phone, which is safe, and scan for more information on the treasure.
1: But but we're worldwide global. Well, not global, just, just to Lima treasure hunt though.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. No, that, that, that all sounds safe and, and above board. Um, and then what's, so what, what's, what's next for the, the post post nice work, super nice club, the, the super nice club will continue on without it's nice work counterpart.
0: Yeah, the super nice club will continue on without a podcast uh, until um, the my pillow guy comes back to us with our fucking money that he owes us. Bastard's been uh, withholding his last payment because they got offended about gun talk. But know. is there something about activism? These,
1: <sighs> the current mood of the country—that genteel, polite activism it feels passe, like it feels like we should be mad, it feels, uh, you know, like, like, like just being nice isn't quite the right response anymore. I don't
0: God, know. It's, that's hard. I've vacillated on that uh, uh, a lot through my life, you know, and ultimately the answer is both. You know, it's both. Successful movements, the biggest successful movements have always required a pincher movement of sorts. You know, you don't have success with Martin Luther King Jr. without a Malcolm X, Right. You don't have success of Gandhi without, um, what was his name, uh, Bagrat Singh? I could be wrong. But, you know, he was the Molotov cocktail throwing guy that really pushed things, right? So, in other words, the peaceful guy's like, yeah, you should do this peacefully because see that motherfucker over there? He's really going to break your balls if you don't come along. So, one without the other just doesn't seem to work very well.
1: But, yeah, I mean, it, there, there's been you know, we, this uh, movement of we, you know, we don't talk well enough or, you know, we we don't communicate well enough to each other, or we don't listen to people. Um, and all of that is true but where has it gotten us, I guess, trying to listen or has there not been enough trying to listen I guess would be the, the better question.
0: Again, a really hard one because, you know, when you go through these conversations again and again and again and the, the other side just doesn't seem to be listening, you're like, forget it. I'm so frustrated. I'm so tired of this. I'm not even having this conversation anymore. It's a waste of my energy and my anxiety goes up. I, I, I don't know if it's really on us as individuals or if we need better moderators, You know, better leaders out there, people that appear that say, hey, and do and the work for us, but on a larger scale, right? Like, hey, this is what this group is trying to say. Now, all you need to do is understand that this is what they're trying to say. And it's very similar to what you're trying to say. And this is what you're trying to say. We need an interpreter. You know, we need a go-between, uh, a mediator. Uh, there is a giant lack of leadership in the U.S. when it comes to that space. And I'm not talking about some bullshit political middle because there's no such thing as that uh, middle in the U.S.A. With the, the the Democrats moving so far to the right of Nixon by all astute assessments, uh, the middle is somewhere far to the right. You know, unless you want to talk about this extremism. Can, can, you know, I, right? can I
1: footnote that Nixon comment yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or note? Yeah. Um, uh, it, when you think about how far right we've come, the chief justice who wrote Roe versus Wade, the original decision was a Nixon appointee, you know, so that that's how far we've come.
0: <laughs> there you go. That is a perfect way to put it, right? So I, I, I'd say disabuse ourselves of the notion of left, right, and middle and come to some idea of basically um, – finding a super nice gentle way of eradicating from the face of the planet all of the people that are hateful that are virulent MAGA supporters that say hey you can take my gun over my dead body you're just a waste of space you're just your kids can't be listening to you your kids need to be taken away from me i'm just kidding totally kidding totally kidding that's but we do get that kind of extremism right where people just want to like just they just want to wipe out the other side but that's ridiculous you know that's not going to work. I wish it, I wish it could. I wish it would. I wish we could spike like certain drinks that sell, you know, only in the Deep South and only to white people. I'm just kidding. I'm Just kidding. Oh my God! Can you different imagine different if I really said stuff. that and yeah. meant it?
1: Yeah. yeah no, it's it's a good thing you can edit this later.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but totally. Are, oh, what would those drinks be? I'm just I'm just playing, just riffing. Like, what are some of those drinks? That, like, Monster white Energy. Deep South drink. Oh. Where's that? Where's where are those produced? Do you know where they're manufactured? No. It's probably on the bottle.
1: I, I remember I wrote about Four loco though, once when it got recalled and where they uh, brought it to, like, destroy it was, like, all this, this one plant in Virginia, so it must be around there.
0: <laughs> hmm. All right. I mean, I'm not suggesting anything to anyone. I'm just saying, like, for a movie idea, you know what I mean? that would be scary. Like a horror movie, The uh, movie.
1: Sp- speaking of, speaking of which, you know, can you, would you talk about a little bit what you're working on now? What, what, what are, what's your current projects?
0: Um, uh, right now I'm working on a film script for a producer. Um, lucky enough to, uh, be working with, she's wonderful. We had a wonderful team and have some early interest from some companies that can help us produce it, but I need to write it. I need to finish it. Uh, I need to finish the damn thing and that's going to be hopefully by the end of the summer that I'll be done with this beautiful Oscar worthy film script because I'm a, I'm a damn good writer. It's about the only thing I'm good at, like really good at besides sex is writing. Just, just having children and writing. Yeah. I'm good at having kids. I'm good at writing. So, so no, I, I, I really am good at those two things. I, will say, I'm not, I don't have the kids themselves, but, like, the art, the, the man's side of it, like, I think I do a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, like, if you could just leave, like, a sperm whale, it would be perfect. <laughs> if I could leave a sperm whale? I'll leave, like, a sperm whale. The sperm whales have this uh, matriarchal society, so the women are the pods, the females are the pods, mm-hmm. so the family is just the mother, the grandmother, the sisters, and the juvenile males. As soon as the male is of age... They're out of the pod. They have to go off by
0: themselves. Oh, they never. Right, you lost me. At, you lost me at sperm. I was thinking like a big, like a whale, like a balloon of it. I left that's one in the fridge or something, like community resource. No, I, no, I was no, like, that's, that's that's gross. Well, oh. like like uh, I gross. mean,
1: I feel like this is this isn't going to go over right either. This reference, but uh, it, yeah. like, like Moby Dick. Let's just leave <laughs> that Dick alone. Was a sperm whale? He was. Yeah.
0: I thought he was a dolphin.
1: <laughs> it would have been a shorter book.
0: Yeah, like ramming into the side of the big boat. <laughs> Nothing would happen.
1: So I have a pitch for you then for for uh, okay. for for a new a new podcast or a new chapter of the podcast.
0: Good because this is like we're ending on a low note.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what if it's just pitches for movies that will never get made, and that's what the podcast is about? And then maybe it ends up with a table read. You know, you could have like a two parter. Uh, you know, and we just go through pitch meetings for movies that won't get made. Just make them right, right there. That's the podcast. Is
0: that bad movies? Or just like they could be amazing movies and won't get made because, you know, they're too improbable or too expensive? Yeah,
1: it could it could be anyway. Do you know that, uh, yeah, like Face Off. Face Off was meant, wasn't going to get made because it was too expensive. It was meant to be this sci-fi movie set way in the future. And it was going to cost so many hundreds of millions of dollars to make this future scenario. They said, "You know what? We could save a lot of money. We just put it now." You say, "Oh, it's like five minutes in the future." Much different movie, probably much better the way that it turned out.
0: You think it would have been even cheaper if they set it like back in time?
1: No, again, then more, like more budget for that.
0: Wait, I don't understand. So the, the future spot, now is cheap when it would no, it'd be cheaper to go back in time because inflation. If you go back far Gone. enough. The inflation. That's how inflation... more now. I saw Face Off in Roswell, New Mexico on my birthday, whatever year it came out. And there were... um, 1914, I think. Anniversary of the Roswell um, alien or whatever. There were big alien balloons everywhere. It was kind of cool. You know what movie must have cost nothing to make then was Wild Wild West.
1: Because... Set Will Smith back in Western time doesn't have much of a career anymore.
0: No, that's not how it works. It was made. <laughs> I told you didn't understand inflation. Yeah,
1: but yeah, so that that won't work. Um, let's okay. Even forget like, that podcast. That idea. <laughs> Maybe edit that part out. I, I, I had one one more section, but we got to get to the part where you ask me a question. But I feel like that's the end. Is it? Right. Oh no, 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 the challenge is the end. I forgot the show yeah. structure uh yeah okay so you, you hello todd brilliant i'm your host of the program not todd brilliant but you can ask a question to not todd brilliant and not todd brilliant will answer you this is a part of the show where the guests ask the host a question
0: i feel like i've already asked a lot of questions but that's okay um what makes you yeah i have a question for you i'm gonna make it a true or false question can i do that is that is that within the parameters yeah, that, that's false? easy. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah.
1: You keep clicking. It keeps making that clicking Oh, it's my, my, it's my be... mouse. I apologize.
0: From 1986, whose mouse clicks that loudly? And the listeners are going to feel like it's a really low-quality production. I should have been True using my false? crackpad. True or false? Once upon a time, there was an episode of The Muppet Show called Sex and Violence. That has to be false. The Muppet Show, Sex and Violence.
1: That has to be false because it would have been sex and violence, knowing The Muppet Show and Jim Henson.
0: I love your answer. But you're wrong, it's true. The Muppet Show, Sex and Violence, aired on ABC March 19, 1975. It was one of two pilots produced from The Muppet Show. The other pilot, The Muppet's Valentine Show, aired in 1974. The plot In this half-hour variety special, the Muppets parody the proliferation of sex and violence on television. Nigel, Sam the Eagle, and hippie bassist Floyd Pepper prepare for a pageant based on the seven deadly sins, with Muppets representing the sins, envy, anger, gluttony, vanity, lust, greed, and sloth. Holy shit! I never knew this, but I was led to this when I was researching the uh, guy that looked like an inflated Groucho Marx.
1: Gene Shalit. I wouldn't really call yeah. Floyd a, a hippie. The Janice was kind of the hippie. Floyd was kind of like a glam rocker. He was sort of like uh, he, you know, he could have been in in T Rex or maybe even Captain Beefheart or something uh of that Muppet Show band.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. But the, the uh, what are you what are you reading? What's your wrong. source
1: here? I guess
0: it's it's Wikipedia. Well, okay. they,
1: can can we go in and edit that after <laughs> after the program's over?
0: Glam rocker, glam rock bassist, Floyd Pepper. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Way, way more like a Mark Bolin type.
0: A number of episodes of The Muppet Show have been canceled. So, as in woke canceled. So, I don't know if that one's still playing. Uh, the Swedish Chef, a lot of the Swedish Chef, because apparently Swedes are a race. So, it's racist to make fun of the boor um, Swedish Chef is so a few funny. Others. I know. I like the Swedish chef. I mean, sorry.
1: Do you feel that we've come to a more elevated place in our culture? Um, when that happens, or do you sometimes feel like it's going too far? Like, you know, is it it a pendulum swinging or are we on a straight line of progress?
0: I can tell you this, like I, I have thought about this with the different guests I've had on the, on the episode that like right now, uh, two of my boys are in maybe watching TV, probably are. They're not supposed to, um, but they're deviants and they like cheat and seal all the time, uh, as blonde-haired, blue-eyed people have been doing for thousands of years. I feel like just slightly more comfortable having them unsupervised, knowing that they are not going to accidentally stumble into the Swedish chef. You know? So, I mean, there's your answer.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- there, there are times when it's when, they, when the context of satire gets lost. I guess is is when I feel like we've we've gone a bit too far. Like it, it's all great things. Like we should be inclusive. We should make people feel welcome. And the fact that that is and not uh, just set fire to crosses on their lawns. You know the fact that those those things don't happen and the other things do is good. You know we're doing better. But then you have woke San Francisco, like you say. And I was listening to uh,
0: Frisco. Frisco, Frisco. Frisco. Sorry, Frisco. but That was officially changed. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a California is getting more right wing, so now um, they're trying to uh, get rid of a lot of the the, the the Spanish words. So Frisco is San Francisco is too. Yeah, you don't know oh, who's going to be offended
1: by by you know an improperly pronounced Spanish word.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we don't worry about that here in Angeles.
1: <laughs> but they but they were talking about on uh, what is it KQED. Like you said, like old movies and shows from the 80s and beyond even uh, that would never get made now, uh, you know, because Mm -hmm. the culture has come Mm -hmm. too far and people kept citing as an example, Blazing Saddles and I was was horrified. It's Mel Brooks but Richard Pryor wrote it, you know, and it Mm -hmm. was pointed to make races feel uncomfortable. At that time, in that context, it wasn't Mel Brooks making a bunch of racial stereotypes. It was Richard Pryor trying to make white people feel uncomfortable. And the movie's brilliant, and the context is lost, and people who know better are not pointing that out and recognizing it. Um,
0: well, the, the, the biggest point that I hear you making, at least to me, is Mel Brooks, uh, Richard Pryor, Lenny Bruce, a lot of these people whose works would not be made, their very works were necessary at the time to help move us into a better place right these were the stepping stones like so do you then pull up the rungs of the ladder because they've rusted over time i don't know i say not because they may be needed again or at least as a blueprint
1: that was about as well said as it as it could be um so it's todd brilliant are are you angry at this moment not right now just in general.
0: Whatever I'm tripping on does not allow for anger, bro. (laughs) You look good, by the way. Um, I don't think so. I think I I get disappointed a lot. And that disappointment, like in humans, Um, not in myself, in in other humans. No, I get disappointed in myself all the time. And that disappointment turns to a type of um, impotence that turns to a type of anger. And yeah, so I do feel, I feel upset a lot. I feel upset at... Our particular culture, which just isn't as progressive as I want it to be, the fact is, I'm, I, it's like tilting at windmills in the United States because we're not a progressive nation of the second world nations. Maybe we're still first world of the the, the higher tier nations. We are by far the most religious, right? Uh, and so that limits organized religion. I'm not talking about personal religion. I'm not opposed to anything that makes you say, "Hey, I want to be a good person." Right? Even if, if your version of that is purely out of fear of being stabbed in the asshole by a guy with a pitchfork. like If that's what gets you to be good to yourself and others and kids, cool. I, me, I just do it because I think it's the good way to go. makes sense. It's easy. It's, I think it's human nature is to be cooperative, kind, communicative. And we excel as a, as a species because of our natural-born ability to uh, cooperate and partner and and work as a team with others. So, although the question is lost on me, oh yeah, anger. I just I just get angry because I'm frustrated. Yeah, I get angry. Roe versus Wade, the gun stuff, all that shit pisses me off. But it pisses me off not because it happened. It pisses me off because it's so goddamn obvious that it's going to happen mm-hmm. for 20 years with people out there saying, "Vote the lesser of two evils." Hold your nose, like. You're saying vote for evil. Ultimately, the result is going to be predictable. We're going to lose our, you know, Roe versus Wade. We're going to lose all this stuff. We're going to get some seriously hardcore fascists in here. That's the road you're leading us down because you refuse to just snip it in the bud 20 years ago. You refuse to really demand progressive parties and politics. By progressive, I don't mean woke. I don't mean anything. I just mean people that care about humans, animals, the planet right, that don't eviscerate the EPA, that don't, like Obama did, power up big pharma, big banks, big real estate, that put people first. We don't elect those people to the higher offices. So this is what we get. And Mm -hmm. I get mad at the left, not the left, the Democrats, shaking their fists in fury at Republicans over Roe versus Wade because the Democrats did it too. The Democrats are also responsible. And until they start looking around going, oh, my God, this strategy we've had of voting the lesser of two evils resulted in this? Partly, It's partly our fault. Until You can take responsibility like an addict or an alcoholic. You're not going to get better. You're just going to yell at people that point it out, which is what they fucking do all the time. If I point it out, they get mad. Don't ask me to look at myself. Don't ask me to look in the mirror. I voted for Biden. Fuck you. That's not even close to enough. And this is what happens. This is why we have Roe versus Wade getting overturned. This is why kids are dying in school. Because nobody wants to say, I need to do more than check a fucking box every four years. Yeah, I get angry. Anyway, what else are you saying? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you broke my concentration. I was going to say, it's not just, oh, I voted for Biden, so I did my part. The people in power, the Democrats in power had the ability to stop this and didn't or to try and stop it at least and they never even tried
0: at least tried they, ha-
1: they, they had they had control of McConnell. the house the senate the, the white house um, you know and and they didn't codify it and they knew it was going to happen and they knew McConnell was trying to do it you know the,
0: the, all they had to do is flip a couple seats make the effort make the public effort you know obama they are afraid never to tried, do it never tried when he had the ability he said publicly it's not a priority for me It's not a priority for my administration. And the man is not out there right now trying to create new leaders. No. So, uh, I mean, maybe Yang, AOC, I don't know. But but
1: what what you said was, uh, and I have a book for you to read and a book to recommend to, uh, you know, the super nice club at home. Um, It's called All the Truth is Out, and and I, I think the writer's name is Matt Bai, and it's Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, it's about Gary Hart, but he said all the things that you just said, and um, you know that you will get the leadership you deserve. You know, Thomas Jefferson once said that the people will get the leadership they deserve, and Matt By frames the book very brilliantly uh, with this book by Neil Postman. It was written in the '80s, and he was a NYU professor who wrote about a book called amusing ourselves to death about news becoming entertainment yeah. and all politics have become entertainment um, So he frames this book that he wrote a year or two ago looking back at Gary Hart and he interviews Gary Hart a lot um, And Gary Hart scolded the media when he dropped out of the race because of his uh, affair and the scandal he scolded the media for focusing on personality and not policy um, and and you know Gary Hart, and Gary Hart was even more of a centrist. But Gary Hart on um, the politics became more centrist. The Democrats, you know, were Republicans basically, and the people themselves really only looked at which guy will I have would I have a beer with, uh, you know, not not more deeply than that. And we ended up with the leadership that we deserved as, as Gary Hart, you know, forecast like warned us. But but it's a it's a brilliant book. Yeah, it's called All the Truth Is Out. Okay. And then the, the other thing you said was that we're the most religious of, you know, developed advanced nations and not unrelated, also the
0: most shooty, pew, 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 you know, yeah, by far. We shoot a lot. We shoot a lot. We do. And uh, no offense to anybody. No offense Democrats. I'm just, I'm not more mad at one side than the other. I'm disappointed in all of us, including myself, because I have to ask, what more can I do? I, I mean, I believe we need a new constitution from the ground up. That's where we have to start. The people have to write one. Uh, and they have to put it out there. You can't. You, we need to think so much bigger, right? We need to think more than just Democrats or or, or po- uh, Republicans or, or campaign finance reform. We need to think about a better version of capitalism, one that tells ecological truths, one that, that works for future generations. Uh, and we need to think of a, a constitution that wasn't written only by white men, a number of whom were slave owners. You know, most governments have... Constitutions who were written in the last fifty years. You look at any of the European countries, almost all of them are modern because you need to update. We are so just stuck in this swamp of dogma in the US that we can't get out of, right? Even the the right to to, to vote and, and women's rights, they're all these add-ons to our constitution. They're like shitty bathrooms that we tack on the side of the house for a podcast, right? They're 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 not inherent. To the fabric of our nation and they can be all we need is a new constitution and we can write it we put it out there we sculpt it together and we demand from our leaders that they adopt it or they don't get a fucking vote it's not really outside of the realm of possibility countries rise and fall and change all the time and to think that the u.s is somehow immune to this kind of sweeping change i think is, is ridiculous i think that kermit the frog would agree with me
1: And and now that we went into this whole, um, you know, sort of Hunter S. Thompson running for sheriff of Aspen overthrowing the system kind of bent, uh, and and we're kind of hitting a, in the show, a a crescendo wave here uh, heading into this uh, this final, this last challenge to the Super Nice Club. I think it's got to come in higher than, uh, you know, bring a canvas bag to the supermarket or don't use plastic straws. Um, But what's your challenge to the Super Nice Club?
0: I think my challenge is what I just got all, you know, crazy about. Just be honest with yourself. Take a minute. Get wound down. Think about what's going on, whatever side you're on. And ask yourself, did I really do everything? Am I at all responsible for any of this? Can I look at this and go, "Ah, you know, there's some blood on my hands. There's some guilt on my hands that I didn't know any better. How could I have known any better? I've been conditioned my entire life to believe that the system works this way and that my role is this way. I didn't realize that I've been handed a set of like a board game and a set of rules, but they're not the real rules. There's a whole other set above and outside of them that I can subscribe to if I choose to, right? I can do more. I can get rid of the board and then move forward from there then maybe you'll stop looking at the quote-unquote other side with such anger because you'll be like, ah, yeah, 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 you know, we all fucked this up. And I know that's kind of a tough thing to do for a lot of people, but you got to do it, you know. you, You can't just say, hey, look at those dumbasses there who refuse to believe in climate change. They refuse to look at the science. I'm so mad at those ignoramuses. I'm really mad about that and this is gonna be my month because my horoscope says that you know things are aligned for me. Blah 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 like you know, you believe in horoscopes. No science will support a horoscope at all. It's not real. It's bullshit. Okay? And you're asking other people to believe in climate science? Come on. Right? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So I think be a little more introspective, be a little more honest with yourself. That's my challenge. Does that make sense? It's it's a good. I kind of ramble. It's a good challenge. No,
1: it's a good challenge. Um, You know, with we'd probably end it there. And I don't even think anything additional is needed. Just wherever you go, there you are. Um, What I would say, if you wanted to talk about horoscopes, (laughs) I would I would look at biodynamics, and I would say, who are we to say that? horoscopes don't work like because we found out like biodynamics is superstition but people found that it worked through observation um that oh there were times when the moon was here and we planted those days and the plants did better because they didn't know why but the moon has an effect on water and the tides and it's pulling water up through the roots etc it's a root day We don't know what a, they didn't know why it's a root day if you're born when the planets are in a certain way, in a certain place in the solar system, it could have some interstellar effect that we have no idea, this is getting really woo, <laughs> we have no idea what it is, but people observe that people born in these times are this way, and maybe those observations were right, and we just don't have the knowledge to know why it's right yet. Um
0: I, that's all well and good, but the the star charts are two thousand years out of date. So <laughs> you got to back up your 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 if you're born June tenth, like I am, I'm not a Gemini, I'm a Taurus. So they haven't updated that. So it's all yeah. Everybody born within thirty days has the same personality. There, there, I yeah, get. They, I agree. There's no there's no defense the to it. Is solid. It, is, it is bullshit. The science is solid. <laughs> um, but I do want to say, John Capone, my my at one time. Real partner in Super Nice Club. Uh, You you took the club to much higher levels uh, before you left to take an amazing gig at Wine Enthusiast, which is a cool magazine. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do with it. I have so much gratitude to you for pushing me to have a lot more fun with the club and to open it up. You know, I just was uh, the one man band for a long time, and having a partner to bounce off of uh, really. permanently changed how I'm going to look back on the club as a part of my life and go, oh, yeah. You know, it, it just became closer to what I envisioned thanks to you.
1: Well, thanks, Dad. <laughs>
0: yeah. Plus, we sold like, I think, four extra shirts. Yeah. It all, it all worked which out Which is well. awesome. <laughs> hey, real quick, make, make an outro that just, I can use it because I'm at
1: 1%. Well, thank you for listening to episode 100 of the Super Nice Club. And um, I'm I'm sorry. Thank you for listening to episode 100 of Nice Work, the podcast
0: of the Super Nice Club. And wherever you go, there you are. But you didn't say bye to me. You got to say bye to the guest. Oh. And thanks for being on and welcome to the club.
1: Uh, thank you, Todd Brilliant. I'm your host, Not Todd Brilliant. And thank you for being on Nice Work with your host, Not Todd Brilliant, on Todd Brilliant's podcast.
0: Sorry, got a little angry. I'm still, still, I'm still digesting, you know, all this shit that happened. I'm, I'm so, glad of it. It's okay to get a little angry. And folks, if you get a little angry, it doesn't mean you're not nice. It means you just need to blow off a little steam. Okay. Just don't do it to like another person. Do it passive aggressively, like get a podcast and do it to where people who are going to listen to, I'm sorry, a radio show, you know, can't say anything back to you, except maybe get mad at you by email or, or stop on, you know, unfollow you on Instagram. Try to be passive aggressive about your reaction to the horrible news that,
1: that, 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 that's the out
0: <laughs> and so there you have it the final episode number 100 of the nice work podcast low note high note somewhere between whatever we did this a lot of you listened all the way through which is great and having a podcast is a lot of work it's a lot of work it's a commitment and it's a lot of fun so you know like I said in the intro we might do it again but just changing up the format right now taking a break to finish some other projects jump into some real world super nice club Mm -hmm. events that we can get together with some regularity namely in the form of small salons in the los angeles area when those are perfected take them on the road maybe if you want to volunteer to host a salon in your town let us know anyway that's it love you a bunch everyone stay nice
2: See who's got Jewish? Oh. The world. That's why I'm joining the Super Nice Club. So come on in, the water is warm. You and I can get out this passing stone. Just wanna be nice. Maybe that's the world. That's why I'm joining the Super Nice Club. I don't care about your fantasies, I don't care about your realities, I don't care about your best I don't care about your arguments, I don't care about your mathematics, I don't care about your alphabetics, I don't care about your conspiracies, really to your alien abductions or your spiritualities. Mm-hmm. I'm a rifle and a in this war. Closing my account at the angry store. Just wanna be nice, and baby that's the rub. That's why I'm joining the super nice club. So come on in, the water is warm. You and I can wait out this passing stone. Just wanna be nice, and baby that's the rub. That's why I'm joining the super nice club. Take Who's got you worship All your methodology. I don't care about your neurology. I don't care about your technology. I don't care about your philosophy. How much money you make? All your bloody history. I'm putting down a rifle and deserting this war. Cruising my account. Of joining the super nice club so come on in the water is warm you and i can wait out the and stone just want to be nice and baby that's the road that's why i'm joining the super nice club i'm putting down my rifle in and there's a war cruising my account at the angry store just want to be nice and baby that's the road that's why I'm I'm joining the super nice club, so come on in. the water is warm The Hill I can wait out for spacing stone just wanna be nice maybe that's the world, that's why I'm joining the silver nice club
3: that you just become 10% more not-
1: So what? Big deal.